0: This is the Off Mic Podcast, a radio show about radio life. Here's your host, Drew Dalby. My name is Johnny Staub. I am the morning host at ninety four point five Virgin Radio Vancouver and a host at CTV Vancouver for What's Trending, a TV segment.
1: The Double Threat.
0: The, the, the double thread. I'm waiting, I'm waiting to get my dancing in to be a triple, but uh, I'm not a great dancer. So.
1: <laughs> that's fair. That's that's not an easy one to master. That's no. quite, quite the pedestal you've set for yourself for that third leg.
0: <laughs> Very much so. Very much so.
1: Now, let's go to the beginning. When did you first know that radio was something that you wanted to do?
0: Uh, you know, I really liked radio growing up. I lived in London, Ontario. Well, I, I, I was born in Windsor uh moved when I was seven to London and uh, listened to an AM station there called 1410 CKSL. And um, Martin Castles did Evenings, who is now Zach Spencer, the driving guy from Global. Uh, and I remember just loving the top 40 and listening to it, doing homework. And then when I got to high school, I was in uh, student council and I did morning show announcements on Wednesdays. And one of the teachers said to me, you know... My homeroom class never listens, but on Wednesdays they always listen when you do it. Have you ever thought of doing some sort of thing with your voice or radio? And I'm like, huh. so I looked into it, and like, I had all the prerequisites. Like I could talk, um, I had good oral care. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Really is
1: an underrated aspect to the industry.
0: It, it is right. And uh, okay, I got two. Uh, let's do it. So that was like the only thing I had that I could work on. So.
1: I like that your first rating success was the morning announcements on Wednesdays.
0: Yeah, I and, mean, you know, now I'm a morning show guy, so, I mean, maybe maybe that was, like, some type of plan. I don't know, but, yeah, that's my first success story.
1: You need to start working actual announcements into your show now.
0: I kind of feel like I do, because I am the jock on, on our specific show, but uh, I want to be, like, yeah, like, photographer... I remember one time I said, a photography, instead of so photography on <laughs> on the mic in high school, and everyone's was like, you're such a loser, so it's like... I still made mistakes then like I do now.
1: So you looked into it and uh, and got interested in it, obviously. Where did you end up going to radio school, or did you?
0: I did, yeah. So right out of high school, I applied at five schools. I made it into a couple. The only one that my parents would let me go to because it was where they were moving at the time was in Kitchener-Waterloo called Conestoga College. So I went for both radio and television.
1: And which has now worked out now that you're actually doing both. Did you find yourself leaning more one way or the other as you were
0: learning both trades? Yeah, well, as my as some of the people that I went to school with, they all knew. I'm like, I want to be a weatherman, and uh, I was, I was the one of the younger people in the class. I think I was 17 in college, and so they and I had really, I all of a sudden developed like adult acne, like later teenage adult acne. So <laughs> I just didn't look very nice on camera all the time. So they said, why don't you just keep doing the radio route, develop your personality. A lot of radio people move into television later in life. And you're, you're a bit young looking. So I wanted to do TV, but I leaned into radio. And that's kind of where it went. Thank God for teenage awkwardness. And I was like really awkward. Like I was going through a growth phase and I wasn't out in college right away with a lot of people. And God, I'd do like a hot, hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> So
1: what was your favorite aspect of the, of the radio when you got into it? When you Once you started to really get hands-on, was it on air all the way, or were there other aspects that sort of caught your attention as well?
0: Well, what I did was I went for a radio station tour, because you were told, you know, like, start making contacts. So in my first year, I met a guy named Ken Regal, who I still look up to today. He's now in real estate, but he worked uh, in Calgary and Victoria, and he was working afternoons, and he was the MD at Shine FM in Kitchener Waterloo. And so I went for a station tour, and he had just started there. And he said, my music department is a mess, and I could really use some help. And I was like, dude, I will organize CDs, no problem. So once a week, I would go in. And, you know, just kind of hang out and shoot the shit and get to know them. And then I started to get some FaceTime with some of the other people there, including the program director, Gavin Tucker. And within about eight months, I was hired to do some on-air work there. But what I ended up doing was I really liked the music side, too. So I started to learn how to program music a little, little bit. And I had a fascination with the on-air and music as well.
1: You know, it's funny that this generation of people coming into radio have already started at a disadvantage because one of the most... Frequent stories I hear about how did you get your foot in the door at your first station? Apparently back in the day no music director knew how to keep their shit together and music (laughs) CDs were just everywhere But now it's all at a computer, so it's not like uh, you know some kid from radio school can come in and be like I'll organize your files bot. like it just doesn't happen. Yeah
0: no exactly true that's exactly it and i think that's uh and same with like overnights too it's really sad that a lot of those shifts have disappeared because those were like those entry points where if you really really had talent and you're really willing to work at it uh there were opportunities and now it's a little bit harder for today's generation not impossible but uh we we had a pretty good we were very lucky
1: well and the other nice thing about the overnights is you got a chance to screw up in front of about 25 people as opposed to if you were in a regular day part a lot bigger audience
0: and, Drew, didn't we screw up? I mean, did we not screw up? <laughs> well,
1: my, my first gig was morning, so I screwed up in front of a ton of oh. people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank God I did overnight. Things. I, I well, my first job was I was like, um... They called it cottage country traffic. So let me try and give you the gist of this. I'm in, like, the lower part of Ontario, and a lot of people there on the weekends would have cottages, and they would drive, and so my job was after the regular traffic was over, I would go in and give a cottage country traffic report. Now, I didn't know any of the routes. Are you kidding me? I don't have a cottage up there, so (laughs) I'd have to learn what's Collodian or Caledonia or what's this place, what's that place. So, yeah, that was was kind of where I, I, you know, Cut my teeth.
1: Did you stay in radio school even after you got the job, or did you kind of co-op out?
0: So what happened was, so in my first year, I got hired to do weekend cottage country traffic, and then throughout that summer, they were like, "Oh, we need an op," and then it became like, "Can you op voice tracks?" That's when you had to op a voice track. Yes, I know. And then they just started going, "Well, why don't we throw Johnny on there? Let's see how he does." So I was go- I was going by year two. I was uh, overnight's Friday, Saturday, Sunday would finish overnight at 5 a.m. Monday morning, go to school. So I did seven days a week. I did five days a week at school and then three shifts um in radio so you did make it all the way to the end though i didn't um i was i know and you know what i've been like i've called conestoga college and i'm gonna put it out there i've called them and i said listen matt lauer all these people i watch them they get all these honoree diplomas i'm like can't you just honor it like dude it's been like 18 years almost like (laughs) can't you just they said no but we'll give you that brochure for that at the basket thing you know that that continuing education and then you can get your diploma i'm like are you kidding me so i, <laughs> I like no i'm not doing that but um while yeah, you're hosting so a
1: I, morning show in vancouver if you want to do some correspondence courses then we'd be willing <laughs> to say that you are fit to be a broadcaster
0: yes that's what they told me <laughs> i'm like okay that's it like i thought i could like graduate and have the, ga- the the ball cap and you know the gown and everything and walk down the aisle with all these people and yeah, it's not happening, uh. but I was in my third year. So what happened, Drew, I was in my third year and about a month and a half in, I was still working those overnights. and Vernon had an opening for, it was Rogers because Chime is Rogers and Vernon was Rogers at the time. They said, we have an evening show opening. You should apply. And so I applied and I got the gig within like two weeks. This is Vernon, and B.C.? Vernon, B.C., my first full-time on-air gig. So I went. I was like, oh, I'm on my third year. We only have, like, three more months of, like, actual time in, in class. And then we were doing uh, co-op out. So I was like, can I co-op out early and do correspondence? They said no. I went, okay. And I went, well, this is what I'm going for. So I just left. I, I packed up my stuff and I moved.
1: It's funny in radio because it's one of the few industries where And everybody will tell you, you've got to go, for the most part, to a radio school, even if it's just for a bit, to get your first job. And then as soon as you're in the industry, where you went to school
0: couldn't mean less. You couldn't be more on the ball there, Drew. (laughs) Exactly. And I I do think it's important to go to school. Like, I, I fully, fully, fully believe in the schooling process. That's not... Um, what my message is. My message was I was just a little bit disappointed that, you know, I'd done some hard work. I was one of those people in the school that was, like, following the rules and doing well, and I didn't get to graduate with all my friends. I was like, oh, that's really, it sucks, but, you know, it's just how life went, and I ended up having a great career, so I'm not upset about it, but at the time, I was a little bit, like, you know, kind of saddened by it.
1: So you get out to Vernon. Now you're you're in a gorgeous part of British Columbia, but more importantly, you got a full-time, real shift. First time you're on the air, are you nervous at all, or did your time out in Kitchener-Waterloo prepare you for this moment?
0: You know, uh, well, I had also become friends with a guy named Kenny D, who now works at Hot 89.9. And so Kenny worked at, like, Energy 108 in Toronto, Burlington. And I used to, like, listen to his show. He was on overnight, so I had a stereo in my studio at I'd like, listen to him. So we became friends, and he gave me some CHR advice at the time. So I was going from an AC to a CHR, uh, but I had to read like news headlines at the top of the hour, and then be like, "Okay, it's request hour. You can win a pager." All now, you know, <laughs> like, geez. Okay, so it was it was kind of a culture shock. Like I went from a major market slash kind of well, more medium, but still major market sounding station to Vernon, that was a little bit smaller market. So that made it easier, but I was also scared because I hadn't really done top forty before.
1: So once you get in and you start doing it, did it? come naturally? Was there a flow or did you have to really sort of work to adjust to it?
0: I think I didn't really work at it. I remember being like, how you doing? How you feeling? Like trying all the slang and like on the ones and twos and just sounding like an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> But thankfully, the people in the mountains forgave me. Um, <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. Like, I think back, and like, thank God the air checks have been destroyed somewhere. Because I, I did not want to hear what I felt. But um, it was, you know, it, it was a really, it was a good experience. I don't have anything bad to say. Uh, I was lonely, though. Like, I, I'd left my parents' house and moved out west. I never lived on my own before. So it was a bit of a culture shock. Personally, less professionally
1: right to actually have to go out and start fending for yourself for lack of a better term.
0: Yeah, like I went to Costco and I'm like I better get that mustard because like that's a good <laughs> deal. I'm, I remember I took that mustard with me all the way to Vancouver like 5 years later I'm like this is a large mustard like I didn't know better. I was I think Drew I was 19 when I got the job. So wow. you got to remember like it 19 is pretty young to move really that far away from your family.
1: But that's an impressive fiscal responsibility to be making Costco mustard decisions at 19.
0: Well, my dad's name is Fred Stobb. Google him. You'll understand why. <laughs> okay. You know, like, <laughs> I was taught well. I was taught very well. So how
1: long did you last in Vernon?
0: So when I got the job offer, for, it was Don Weglow and Patrick Nichol and a guy named Jason Armstrong. They interviewed me and they said, listen, if another company comes to you and says, will you move... Would you move? I'm like, no, I would never do that. You guys never. Okay, six months later, knock, knock, Calgary calls. (laughs) and It's Power Power 107. It's, uh, you know, the big, big CHR up there. My friend, Ted Regal, who had hired me in his music department at Kitchener-Waterloo, was now midday there. And he was like a big advocate. And Ted Farr, who was the general manager at the time, and James Stewart, Ted had heard me driving through the Okanagan and was and made Ken like, contact me, and so I sent a tape, and they offered me a junior swing position. It was $2,000 less than what I was making in Vernon, and I was like, I'll take it, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> I think, you know, and I'll be honest, through and I, I don't want to be like, oh, because I'm gay, my life has been so hard, but when I was in Vernon, it was like, I was so lonely, and I didn't have anybody, and um, you, you know, the people that ran the station in Vern were a little bit religious, so I, did, I was kind of scared to, like, really talk about anything. So I was like, I have a girlfriend back home, and I just thought, if I can get to Calgary, I can be a little bit more myself. So let's go.
1: Yeah, a little bit more... I, I want Metropolitan? Little, yeah, free-thinking, a <laughs> little more liberal, a little more open-minded to that sort of thing. Whereas, like I said, like I, I know Vernon. I love Vernon. Yeah. But it's a small place nestled in the valley, so...
0: And this was also like Vernon when they didn't have a Walmart and they were like contesting it. You know what I mean? Like this was like Seven yeah. Eleven was the only thing open at night. You know, like it was like it was a good experience, but it was just a very different experience than what I was used to. They've,
1: they've come leaps and bounds since
0: then. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> Vernon is great. Like I went back there like three weeks ago and had a blast. I love Vernon, and it was a great place to start my career.
1: And now you're in Calgary, and and I'm guessing not much older than when you were buying the mustard at Costco.
0: I was twenty, yeah, I just turned twenty, and so I got the junior swing position that became senior swing within a few months because the the main swing guy went to t v so they kind of bumped me up right away, and it was great like dude calgary when i like when I look at my entire career, Calgary by far is probably the biggest highlight for me what what makes it that I think it was just the time and the place i mean it was it was still when top forty was really big, you had like Christina Aguilera and Backstreet Boys and it was just it was a really exciting time um it was also when it was owned by Wick and I think like you know it's re- we're now working in a different form of radio that's a little bit more um business world whereas back then it didn't feel that way maybe that's because I was younger but um it was just really really fun the jingle sounded hot and I'm a big production guy so I love jingles and I love top hours and drone beds and things so i just i really really had a blast there
1: well and that's one of the things when you get into those the top 40 chr that sort of thing is everything's got to sound so tight and so everything's got to flow which means the imaging becomes part of the show it becomes as important as anything that you're saying on the air so yeah if that's the sort of path that you've come through in this industry it only makes sense that you would have the appreciation for good imaging
0: and not just that but like drew at the time i mean we had top hours that had like a six second donut and you had to hit it and everything was just like hit it hit it hit it and that's when i really learned how to board off too i remember my boss at power 107 uh, Rob Mize was like, "Oh, your opping is really sloppy." So I had to really pick it up, and that's where I became like a really strong, strong technical person. It was a very intense kind of show that we ran over there, but it was fun. It was so much fun.
1: See, this is why I'm happy to be a lazy rock guy. I got you know 80 second intros over Led Zeppelin twice an hour. <laughs> I don't have to do any of that stuff, but I am always impressed. I love watching, you see like the old time air checks that that are starting to make their way onto YouTube now. The guys would shoot Mm -hmm. videos and they're flying around the studio, throwing carts in and moving faders up and down and getting in and getting out in between song breaks and even just like a, a sing in on a song and then they'd come in for a quick second and hit that second post and... It's like, man, nobody's doing this anymore.
0: Yeah, there was like, I remember She Bangs Ricky Martin with like a 28 second intro. And you could like hit it at 13, 18, and then at the full vocals. And you would just, you'd map around your wording and it was just like juicy. And you just, oh, like thinking back on it makes me smile even right now. <laughs> of how much, it was just so fun. It was so, so fun. I loved it. Loved every second. The people that worked there, like I worked with such a great, talented crew that taught me a lot. It was great. Just so much fun.
1: And that's one of the really important things, especially if you can get some time at a young age in a major market. Not easy to do, but if you can, it generally means that you're working with some real veteran types that have the experience. And for the most part, once you're on the team, they've got no problem helping you get
0: better. That's right. I mean, I worked with like Carter Brown, who now does mornings in Ottawa. I've got Roger Rhodes, who's still in Calgary. Matt McFly, who's now in Kiss in Calgary. Yeah, like really my girlfriend Fraser, she got hired for mornings there. Fraser, really popular from Winnipeg, just like really, really cool people.
1: So how long did you stay in the senior swing position once you got that bump up?
0: Well, it was about maybe six months, and then they made then Ken, my friend Ken, who got me over there, moved to Victoria. And so they did a little reshuffle of the lineup and they put me on evenings. So I then became the evening guide, a huge CHR in Calgary. Uh, And I did that for about a year until I got a job offer to go to Vancouver.
1: Now, while you were in that evening spot, before we jumped to Vancouver, you're in that evening slot. What were some of the uh, standouts that you remember? Like, were you a a bit guy or were you just uh, more about sort of having fun with the music?
0: Well, I learned something really important from Jackson Hawks, who at the time was Big Daddy, who I ended up working with. Jackson Hawks um, did a show out of Vancouver at VED. And he always used to end every phone call with, uh, who is your daddy? And they'd say, big daddy. And he's like, who do you love? Is that daddy 5.3? So I stole it. I brought it to Calgary. <laughs> but now being like a, a little bit of a dorky, effeminate kid in high school that got picked on a lot, I thought, I'm going to show them. Still, like, you know, I'm 20, so high school still meant something. So my tagline was, I would have somebody come, come on and win or do some type of bit, And I would say, who was the most popular guy in high school? And they'd yell, Johnny Stobb, and I'd say, Who do you love? And they'd say, Power one oh seven. And so it trademarked and it caught on. It was great. It was like <laughs> so, so smart. Yeah. So I did like kind of like dumb stuff like that. I'm just trying to think back. We did a couple of bits. I ended up hiring not I not like we didn't pay him, but he came in all the time. Dylan Wochuck, who is now part of Pepper and Dylan. Dylan was my The first radio That he ever did Was with me He was my intern Really? Yeah So Dylan and I Developed a great great bond We're still great friends To this day But uh He would go out And make him go out And do bits I remember for Valentine's Day I threw him on the side Of I don't know One of the highways there It's gotta be A bone ass Or I don't know And he, he was adding out Roses and things like that So A couple of bits But nothing that really Stands out that I can Think of right now
1: Nothing safer than Standing on the side Of a Calgary highway either <laughs>
0: You know the poor thing hey, Like <laughs> people, he was hungry so you gotta you gotta feed the people that want to do this stuff right
1: that's right so you're off to Vancouver for the first time where did you go
0: so I got hired at that 95.3 and I got the job over Big Daddy the guy whose material I stole who I used to call and be like dude you're so freaking awesome I'm in love with you and then fast forward a year and a half and I get a job over him and he's there as a swing guy so I get evenings in Vancouver
1: I mean, we talked about this before at sort of all your different levels. You were really moving up. Now you're in Vancouver. The what the major of the major markets, I mean, it's Vancouver and Toronto in in this country. Your first time cracking the mic there, were there nerves or
0: Well, here's the weird thing about Zed and they are now called Zed again. It's in Richmond, so I, I don't know how it how it works in Saskatchewan. Uh, where you are right now, Drew, but Richmond's like a, like a thirty five, forty minute drive from Vancouver. So I'm like, I'm going to Vancouver, and I'm like, and your studios are in Richmond. I'm like, what? So <laughs> it, it was not it was not glamorous. I remember getting there, and it's like in a strip mall, and I was like, what? Like I thought this is Z ninety five point three, what? And it was kind of, I'll be honest, like going from working in a downtown core like Calgary to like some suburban strip row mall thing, uh, Zed, I was a little bit shocked. And it was like, it was not a good experience. (laughs) It was good in a lot of ways, but it was like, I was 21. I was one of the youngest jocks on the air in the city, especially in a major time slot. And it, it, it didn't work.
1: Now, when you say it didn't work, what do you mean by that?
0: Rob Mize, who was my PD in Calgary, became the P D at Z ninety five point three. So he kind of instigated my movies like, hey dude, I'm going to Vancouver. I'm gonna take you with me in a few months and so just get ready. Uh freeway Frank moves to I don't know, Calgary or something? I forget where Frank moved, maybe Winnipeg. And so and Freeway Frank was like a big name in this city and I took over for him and I kind of felt like I was just pushed in there and then wasn't given a lot of help. And it was standard broadcasting, which was very different than WIC, where I was used to being. It was just very different. I, I wish I could explain better, but it just, for whatever reason, I just felt like they kept breaking me down at every step like anything i wanted to do it was like a no they were like your voice is really weird you need like speech le- vocal lessons wow um yeah like it was i just i'll be honest at 21 and feeling like an insecure person growing up and then you get all this fame as you move up and you're being wanted everywhere and then you start to be told like you're not that good it really crushed kind of my confidence and i think mixing that with where i was was like a disaster it was a huge disaster for me well
1: and it's it's quicksand you know you you get in there and things don't go you you had something successful going in calgary now you're in vancouver and it doesn't jump right off the bat and you you don't have the support of the management so then you start overthinking things you know you start going ah I, i need to work on this i need to work on that you work too hard on it it goes the other way and then you just keep sinking
0: and that's a great analogy. You do feel like you're in quicksand. And then, I don't know, like, I think I just became, like, really defensive. And, again, I'm really young at the time, too. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm insecure internally. I'm scared as shit on the outside. So I become, like, defensive and almost probably not as manageable and looking angry. So it just was like, you know, I look back on that time and I'm grateful for it. And that is a great station. But... For whatever reason, it just didn't work, and and um, and I was really sad because I loved streaming Zed. I always thought Zed is such a great station, which it was. But I just, I for whatever reason, I didn't fit in there.
1: So was it you that initiated the the split from Zed, or was it the other way around?
0: No, oh, dude, I got fired, <laughs> F- full out fired, absolutely fired. I what happened was uh, I'd been there for about eight months. And I actually got mono. Like, I was in the hospital. I dropped 30 pounds in a month. I looked Ooh. fantastic. Ooh, I looked, the, oh, like, I could go to the club and get some. But um, I was sick. I was really sick. So uh, I got back. And right away, they were like, just a heads up. Like, this isn't working. And you need to give us your badge. And here's 2 weeks severance. And good luck in Vancouver. And that was it. Like, it was, it was a clean cut. Wow! Just just straight up ripped the band aid off. Yeah, there was. I don't really think there was a warning that I can think of, Uh, warning signs. I'm sure, but I don't think I ever got written up. It just they they can be right when I got back.
1: Now, so you go from being like you were saying insecure, nervous, uh, struggling a little bit. You get sick, which doesn't ever really improve anybody's mental state. No. And then you come back and you get your walking papers. What kind of state were you in when that happened?
0: We should have taken photos. It would have been great. Uh, a mess, hot, hot mess. I mean, I kind of felt, and I think a lot of people that lose their job in radio, especially the first time, you really lose a sense of self and identity. But I was really crushed, like I, you know, and I couldn't find a gig in Vancouver. I don't think it was because I wasn't hireable. It just there wasn't really anything that was open. So I started teaching a little bit at Columbia Academy. I was helping out with some students and doing some workshops and things like that. But it was a really low time. Like, I I was, I was, sold my couches for rent money, like shit like that, where you're like, okay, this is bad. <laughs> like, this is really bad.
1: The richest um, rag story of Johnny Stobb. Oh, well,
0: yeah. Like, honestly, like, get me a buck. let me sweep and mop the floors. Like, it was just <laughs> Cinderella story. But anyway, uh, um, about five months into it, I decided that's it. Radio's done. I'm going to go back home. Um, I applied at Fanshawe College for dental hygiene and had my bags packed. And I got a call from James Stewart at Power 92 in Edmonton. He said, you know, you were not easy to work with at some point, but uh, from what I hear and, you know, but uh, I've got a weekend job open here and I'll pay and I'll move you. And I went, oh, okay, let's go to Edmonton. (laughs) So I went to Edmonton.
1: So this is like this is the call from the governor in the electric chair. This is the last minute before you are basically packing it in on radio that
0: you get this call from Stewart. That's right. It was about I had about two weeks before I was moving back home to Ontario.
1: Did was there even any point though when he offers you the job because of the experience that you'd had at least in your Richmond Vancouver run? Was there ever the thought like I don't know maybe this just isn't for me?
0: No, because, you know, Vancouver, here's what's weird, um, and you don't do it because of this, but it's a great benefit. If you work in the prairies, especially Saskatchewan, and I, for sure I know Alberta, you are really treated like a rock star, whether it's doing remotes or going to retail or supporting clients. Like, you're really adored. Vancouver, there was none of that. They're like, oh, Goldie Hawn is shopping on Granville. Like, it, like you're not you're not an anybody. But in, in Alberta, you always felt like, Really good about what your work was. You felt like it was really recognized and listened to, and that's a, that's a great feeling. So I knew that going to Edmonton would be very similar. And James Stewart was kind of my pseudo boss. Like throughout the years, like I started working for him in 2000, so I knew James. I loved James, and I thought, okay, let's give it a go. So
1: now you're in Edmonton. You're at Power 92. Do you miss a beat? Like, does it is it the riding the bike analogy when you get back onto the microphone? Was it like you never left?
0: It It was, I can't even tell you, Drew, it just, I was like, I'm home, I'm back home, it felt like being back, it was great, it was really, really good, and we had a lot of club nights, I don't know, do you remember a lot of CHR radio, like, every night at a club for ladies night?
1: Oh yeah, 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 you broadcast from that back booth, and hang out with the DJ,
0: and yeah, At Power 92, we had, like, five a week, and I was swing, so I could, you know, I think my shift was, like, 11 at night till 5 in the morning and some weekend stuff, so five days a week, I was going out to the club to make money to pay off the visa that I racked up in Vancouver, so I just felt like I was, boom, back on it financially, like I was hitting the cash that I needed and um, having a really good time. Like, the staff there, I met, like, two of my all-time best friends at Power 92, so really good
1: but of course you're not still at power 92 power 92 isn't still at power
0: 92 How long
1: did you stay there before the next move?
0: Uh, Well, I stayed there for quite a while until they flipped it to like uh, a a hot AC. And so I kept my job in a hot AC of Power 92.5. And then like five months later, they flipped it to Joe FM, which is a hybrid of Jack FM. So I went from, you know, kind of introducing specific records to doing a lot of like 80s gold. And I remember the first day with imaging, Howard Kogan was our imaging guy. And so I'd go on there like, Hey, it's dog talk. You like, I tried to like emulate Howard Kogan. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do that Which,
1: same sound.
0: Yeah. Like we play it one we want. Like I, I, Oh God, it was awful. Uh, <laughs> but, but I was like, I guess this is what we do. Yeah. So I, I'd stayed there and I actually really, I enjoyed that format. It was fine. But James Stewart, then of course, gets a job at Chum because they're launching uh an urban station. And so he pulls both Kira K and I from power 92 to go there so i think i was at power and chorus for about three years until we made the move across the street
1: had stewart not made that move to go launch what would then become the bounce and and brought you with him do you think you could have stuck it out at joe fm or would that have been a case where you were working but looking
0: you know i i was okay like i missed chr uh, like 96x had become a chr from being in the market like a alternative format and I would listen and think oh I wish I was like playing movie a body girl need a sky and dancing in the studio or whatever but I I didn't mind working at Joe what happened was I really liked working for James and at the time Rhubarb Jones had moved up Rhubarb was also my boss for a little while at power 107 in Calgary and we were cool but I was just like you know I really liked working for James so I, I knew that no matter what I just wanted to go where James was going
1: The neat thing is, is now you get this opportunity not only to go back to CHR, but to launch a station. What's the vibe like for anybody who's never been in a building on the first day the signal hits the air?
0: Oh, it's so dope. Like, dude, yeah, if you ever get a shot to do it, I I highly suggest it. It's a little bit chaotic and disorganized. We were up in, like... So, like an, an office that an accountant would work in because the studios weren't finished. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, God, like I remember, I was the first Like I'll put it up there. I was the very first voice on ninety one seven to bounce. So that was kind of cool. That was a good feeling. It, it's it's cool. It's a little bit disorganized, but you think like I'm part of the le- like the legacy of what this brand will be one day. Like when you look back, we will be the first people ever hired, and that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, you can't talk about. 91.7 The Bounce in Edmonton without at the very least a cursory mention of Johnny Stubb and, uh, and and the rest of the crew that was there at launch day.
0: That's right. You know what I love this and I suggest this for anyone that launches the station um, we all got assigned a number in accordance to when we were hired so I was Johnny 5 like my number was number 5 it was on the business <laughs> card. It was really cool and I thought oh my god I'm like short circuit Johnny 5 how great is that which is a movie by the way. But I, um, A great yeah. movie. Great movie. But yeah, we all like, there was like a, you felt really proud to be there. And I remember people like Robbie the Intern and. Different people were so excited to get on full time because they got a number. Like, it was like, like a golden ticket, but we really liked that. It was like so cool. It kind of makes things feel more official and kind of inclusive, right? You feel yeah. like I'm a part of this team. And I thought that was brilliant on James's part. That was really cool.
1: Except for whoever has like the high number. Yeah, if you're like 26, you're like, okay, whatever, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Johnny <laughs> Five is great. Pick. Oh, Johnny Five was dope. And like, we got to sign a pillar. That was another thing. We had a big pillar that we signed, which sadly I hear has been painted over since oh. they moved out of that. I know. I wish somebody would have kept it somehow. But, um, yeah, we all got to sign it and personalize, and it was kind of cool.
1: So what was the the, the vibe like? Were you starting to – because that's the thing is when you launch a station, you're immediately going to have a listener base who's just more than anything curious about what this new option is. You know, I've heard the rest. I've been listening to everything else. Now here's this new thing. What were people saying when you guys were first starting?
0: Uh, I think they really liked it within i think a year we had taken out 96x they became like 80s 90s and now uh well don't forget then, their
1: brief stint as a country station yeah exactly that very that brief right after
0: that. yeah like hank or so, i don't really remember it. big yeah, earl big earl yeah it would sound like big girl like if you said <laughs> it really quick it was so odd like, <laughs> who thought of that and you know respect but yeah, we um we did well. Like, we did really well. It was cool to play, like, some of those different urban artists. I'm not really, like, a an urban guy in some respects, but I really, really appreciated the culture and learning about it. So that was pretty cool.
1: And that's, you have to immerse yourself in it, right? Because if you're going to talk about those artists and the things that they're doing and the, the backgrounds that they come from, you have to sound like you at least read a Wikipedia page about it.
0: Right, and and not just that, but before, like this is right before we morphed into an actual CHR. So I think I, because I only did mornings there for about six months. So I'm trying to remember. I don't think we were a CHR at that point. I think we were urban the whole time I did mornings, and then when I did drive there, that's when it kind of we we had morphed into an actual CHR. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And in our our last episode, we talked to uh, Lamia Asif, who was there doing news and and coming in on the morning show a little bit, and she kind of talked about. Like you said, that it was a little chaotic at first, especially trying to find that right fit with the morning show. So, what was the the reason behind moving to Drive?
0: Well, um, well, first of all, I I heard Lamia's, and Lamia's was awesome. If you haven't heard that podcast, you should listen to it. Lamia's account was very exactly what I thought too. So, what happened was, so I was doing mornings, and I knew that again, I kind of felt like you know when you build something that quick and you hit the air. We, James was our PD and our GM, so I felt that he didn't have as much time to PD us. And I could tell that it, I don't know, it was fine, but it wasn't, we didn't have a lot of direction. So I could just kind of see the writing on the wall. And James and I had a conversation, and out of that conversation, he was like, I think I'm just going to move you to drive. Like, do you want to do that? And he said, I'm not going to change your salary. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> why, why not at that point? Well, you can imagine how much I was making for morning event at the same time, right? But yeah. so And it was sad because Kira K is one of my best friends. I was just in her wedding a few years ago. And we were hired as a morning show team. So that was really, it was hard because I love Kira, but perhaps we didn't have the same magic that we do in person on the air. But I was excited to do Drive because I, I don't mind working on my own. and um And I knew that it was just my vision Versus trying to put two visions into one show So yeah It just kind of happened They moved Brad Kelly into mornings That didn't work for very long And then Pepper and Dylan kind of moved in after that
1: And you mentioned that Dylan started out As your intern of sorts When you were in Calgary What was it like now you're there And all of a sudden he's in with this You know What ended up being a fairly successful morning show With him and Pepper and Robbie and Lamia What was it like watching all of that From the sidelines?
0: Oh, you mean getting eclipsed? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
0: I didn't want to say it. But... It's fine, please. I'll say it. It doesn't bother me at all. You know, uh, <laughs> Dylan, I'm, I'm very proud of Dylan. Dylan is a hardworking guy. He's so smart. He's he's awesome. We did have a little bit of, you know, I forget. I'm trying to remember what happened, but we did have a bit of a top where we weren't friends for a little while, and it was around that time. It, it didn't stem from jealousy. I think... don't I become also the APD or something? And I remember thinking around that same time, I was like, I really want to get into management. I'm not sure how I'm feeling about this on air stuff. And I'd like to do management and on air. And then he had gotten it, but he didn't tell me or I don't like, again, long time ago. So we kind of stopped being friends and I was it was hard. It was hard to see him succeed when I was kind of failing, and I wasn't happy. I was in a bad relationship at the time, too, so I think it was a lot of personal stuff and kind of work stuff all into one. But I, I was proud of him, but I was also a little bit like, yeah it, it wasn't the greatest feeling sometimes either, if I'm being honest, you know?
1: Of course. And, you know, it is interesting with this job, especially for on air, how you can almost listen to a show and tell exactly what's going on in a guy's or girl's life outside of the station. Because as much as we might try, you know, when we're having a bad day to flip that switch and all of a sudden, hey, we're your best friend on the radio, except without the shitty radio voice.
0: Um, (laughs) You know,
1: it's just, you can't help, but it bleeds through.
0: Yeah, and you know, like, uh, oh God, I think we must have all been super miserable in our personal lives. I think a lot of us were having some Issues. Um, yeah, like I know Kira had gotten recently out of an engagement, and you know I, I had a hard time working with Pepper. So I always found it hard to like fake being excited for a contest they were running when I was like this guy and I do not get along. So that was, the, you know, it was just, yeah. It was, the bounce was a very interesting time, and in, I think a lot of our lives. But it was really cool. <laughs> but it was it was a little bit of a hot mess in other ways too.
1: When did the time come for you to escape the bounce?
0: All right, so I'm doing drive, and I'm like, I'm so sad. And so the Edmonton real estate market had been doing really well. My partner and I break up, and we, like, double our money on our house. And I'm like, I have 80 grand all of a sudden? What am I going to do with all this money? I'm going to go to Maui and go surf, because I don't want to do this anymore. I was just kind of like, wasn't having a good time. You know, it was a good station, but I was like, I don't know, this is not I don't know, I'm 26 at the time, 27. So I'm like, I just want to try something new and uh, I said here's the deal if you guys music director was said, if you won't let me get into management now I'm gonna just take off like I'm good and so they let me become music director oh my gosh I sound like such a tyrant but I'm not I swear (laughs) I'm I'm okay to leave it like if I don't need it I'm like okay whatever like no no harm Um, you wanted to stay
1: but you wanted to stay under specific circumstances
0: that's right And I think it's okay To be that way Like I don't think There's anything wrong With saying like These are my wants And if they happen great And if they don't Then I don't know How much longer I want to stay And right. I think that's a fair So they give me Music director at this great office And I'm, a, I'm not a great Music director <laughs> either I'm like I was like Why? I don't get to just Pick the songs I love And like you know And I knew that But it just I thought maybe I'd get more influence In the music department I'd been throughout My career an assistant music director So I thought ah I think I have a good Sounding ear To like program music and to pick some different music to get on the air. It didn't really work out that way. So a job offer came up for Vancouver and... I applied for it, and I got it for the beat.
1: Yeah, I love the sound. Even now, looking back on it, the sound of surprise in your voice, and and I got it. And I got it, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and here's why, too. Okay, so again, uh, being a specific kind of person, I'm sure that's why people always want to hire me. Not really. But I think that when Chris Myers and I talked about the job, I sent him a demo. He called me within an hour, set up an interview for the next day. I said, uh, "Mira, Aurora." is Indian, talks about her life on the air, Olivia Jones who's our weekend girl, she's like Latina and has a little bit of flair, I said I've never been out on the air and I think Vancouver's the place where I would do it and that's partially why i wanted to get off the air because i i couldn't hide it anymore like it was just it was a burden to be like out in your real life and go on the air and not be that way and so i just found it more and more difficult to do an authentic show when you're lying all the time so i said if you let me come to vancouver it's midday i promise i'm not going to embarrass you i'm not trying to get a soapbox i just want to be me will you let me do that and they thought about it and they're like sure come on over so like back in my bags i'm out let's go
1: and you'd look at it right like I talk about things with my wife and my daughter all the time it's your personal life is so much a part especially with CHR it's so much a part of of how you can connect with the audience and here's this major section of your life that up until this point you know whether it was by your choice or PD sort of decree it was just "Ah, I can't take this to air so you've just cut it's like cutting off one of your own legs before running a race.
0: Yeah, it's like taking box and cutting out specific parts of a conversation that still makes sense, but it's not as good as it was with everything in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's what it's... It, it, I felt edited all the time, and no one ever said I couldn't do it, but no one had done it, and that was part of the issue, Drew. I'm like, I don't have a blueprint. Like, if I do this, I'm doing it on my own, and I don't know how to do it, but I guess I'll take a stab at it and see what happens, like... What's the worst that could happen? So that was uh, that was part of the plan to come out to Vancouver.
1: Was it a feeling of being free when you finally did start doing that, and being yourself and being open with your audience once you got to Vancouver?
0: Oh yeah, dude! Like it was like next level shit. Like you know, <laughs> I I think I'm I'm good at my craft, but I I just felt I felt home. I mean, if that makes sense, like I just felt like, okay, whew, I can breathe I can you know I think about it now makes me even like a little bit emotional because I just think like it was such an empowering time to be like, okay, like this is my truth and I'm not gonna have to hide it anymore and it was it was really nice,
1: of course, the natural follow-up question did you get any kind of blowback from listeners who weren't prepared for the, your truth?
0: yeah nice wording. um okay, did I get blowback? um yeah, you know what I did you get
1: any I, shitty people being dicks? <laughs>
0: you know what? Here's the best part about this, Drew. It was like, without even thinking about it, I would I would hit record on Vox Pro for those people. And I would air it. Oh, of course. Uh, it was, you know, because I thought there are more people, in my opinion, that are probably like okay with it. And more people than that, that are like, that's wrong. Like, even if you don't agree with it, it's wrong to be like that towards another human being. So I felt as though it was important to still vocalize that that is an issue. Here I am, and then like, I won't cause any problems coming up here and look what I'm doing. <laughs> but I just thought it was important to showcase like all different aspects. I get a lot of calls that were positive. I didn't want to make my entire show about that, but I think the first little while it was okay to throw on some of those phone calls. But yeah, for the dick phone calls, I made sure they went on the air that way. Then people would call and it would, it would light them up a bit. It was cool.
1: It's always interesting if you build that relationship with your audience and it can happen quickly because like you said like you hadn't been there a long time but they'll fight to defend you if they feel like someone is, is attacking you. I mean I, I obviously my issues are not nearly as widespread or um, mainstream as yours I complained about getting cut off in a uh, grocery line once on my show. Uh, a woman called in and just lit me up about being angry and negative and complaining. <laughs> and I, same thing, hit record and threw it on the air, and the rest of my show just became people calling it. Like, it was like, I, I could put the show in autopilot at this point because I have enough phone calls to go three more hours.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, fun. Like, it's kind of cool. I mean, you don't want to do that every day because I think it's like, you have filet mignon every day. It doesn't taste like filet mignon, but... Right. Uh, it definitely feels. It feels. But I remember after one specific time, somebody was just really, really vulgar and like pretty nasty. And I, I put it on the air. And like you said, like for the rest of the show, it was just nonstop calls. Like I couldn't keep up with them. And I took my journal to the beach that day, and I sat on the beach, and I'm like, you know, I kind of feel like at this point, personally, I've made it. Like I don't, I don't know if I could explain it better, but I just felt like, okay, like of course it was something mean that someone took me and it hurt, but people have my back, and that's like such a good feeling.
1: To know, yeah, to know that you have you have one loser that feels better about themselves by making someone else feel like shit, but you have a hundred people to counter that one person that's like, no, that guy sucks. You're awesome. Fuck him.
0: Yes. And what was really cool is whenever I ended a phone call, I was never nasty towards the person. I'd like, I'm really sorry you feel that way. And if they like abruptly hung up, I was just like, you know, guys this is the world we live in, but we're going to play some music and we're going to feel better about ourselves. And like, you know, we wake up every day and our mirror reflects ourselves, not that person. So good for us. You know what I mean? Like, this like, it was never like mean-spirited back. I just kind of was like, okay, let's move forward. Yeah,
1: you put the positive spin on it and, and just keep going forward. And, and, and it, obviously it's done all right for you.
0: <laughs> it's done, yeah, I think it's done okay. And I was one of the first people, I think that I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, that started to, to get that path going now. I mean, you look out, in Vancouver, Maddie B is out, Drex is out. You know, uh, Corey, uh, no Corey Ashworth, who is who's now doing some work. Like you know, there's just people that started to also feel comfortable. I'm not saying it was because of me, but it just was now allowed in the market.
1: Well, and every person that moves towards that, right? Like even if you're the first one then maybe that makes the second one feel okay and the third one feels okay from that and it just starts to to open the doors and that's why, you know, when we talk about things like I know you guys in Vancouver just had Pride Week, we had it here in Regina uh, about a month ago and, and a lot of people would go on the air and would talk about the reason that we have this is not so that we can have some fancy, silly parade or anything like that. It's fun, but it's also to show people that are still hiding their their true selves
0: that it's okay yeah it's it's kind of more courageous isn't it like it's there's and it's still of course the the message is fun and upbeat but there's there's a courage that goes along with whenever you have to be yourself whenever you're living within your truth matter who you are or what you deal with the more you're truthful the more beautiful you are at least that's my opinion right so it's um yeah it's pretty cool to be able to have that ability here in this market and on the air to have have that be recognized and celebrated that was really cool
1: I'm trying to do the same thing out here, but for fat guys. That's, well, how's that going? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more of them, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like dad bod and all that yeah, kind of oh, stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, oh,
1: absolutely. I was dad bod way before
0: Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you, yeah, it's fine.
1: <laughs> so when does the transition happen where you move towards the morning show?
0: So I did midday for about five years and guess what I started to get a little bit complacent could you imagine me <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a theme so, approaching here <laughs> there's a theme the the beat was like so much fun for the first I'd say like two and a half years three years and then PPM came in and on midday I was like oh PPM midday was not the most fun uh, it was challenging in good ways but I was just like ah, I think I'm getting ready more to do more talking and I would love to do mornings I started filling in for Kid Carson and so I became his prime Fill in for the last like two years and I really had a good time and I would say to my bosses like you know if something comes up in a different market or you know down the road I'd love for you to keep me in mind if there's a mat leave or something I'd love to do some fill in and then Kit Carson left one day you know and there's what a story. That, that in itself is like just, and I don't know if you want to go into it, but it's a juicy good story, so. Well,
1: we've had Ryder on to tell his side, and I have an invitation out to Carson to come on this show to tell his side, but I have yet to hear back from him.
0: Well, you know, um, first of all, I should say I really like Kid Carson, and I like what he does on his show. I, I have been a fan of his work for a very long time. And, you know, I'm a big rider I consider a very good friend. Like, I love Ryder and his wife and his child. So I felt bad that my friend had lost his job for kid to move over there. But the reality was, uh, yeah, it was like a Tuesday. Uh, I was filling in for kid later that week. And my boss seemed really... Um, I don't want to say happy, but my boss Curtis Strange just seemed like a little bit lighter that day for some reason. And he said, I need to see you at two o'clock. And I went, okay. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm having a shitty show. I'm great. <laughs>
1: so
0: uh, I walk into his office and he makes me sign a piece of paper and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, today was Kid Carson's last day. And I'm like, oh, well, Jesus, what? Okay. I said, do you have a plan in place? Like, I know I'm filling in on Thursday. Do you want me to fill in tomorrow? He goes, we'll figure it out. But he's like, telling me a little bit. Kid Carson's fine. Everyone's, everyone else staying." This this and that. And then James Stewart walks in, who is now my GM in Vancouver. So James Stewart and I have worked theater like all my career. And James is like, you're going to tell him where I am, gentlemen. And they said, we want you to do mornings. And I was like, no. <laughs> because I want to be the guy, like after the next guy you hired at like fails, and I'll be the like, you know, like kind of like what happened with Pepper and Dale. Like I want to be the, the show that really hits, not the right after Kid Carson. I don't want to work after Kid Carson. Are you kidding me?
1: Right. Throw someone uh, else to the Lions and then I'll come in and clean up. <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: want that, please. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Well, that was said said you have one day to make up your mind and they said you know we want to move holly up with you and, and Mira and amy are going to stay and and that's the show we have in mind and holly and i had been filling in a bit too like they put us together quite often to fill in for the morning show if everyone was off and if it was just kid off i'd work with Mira and amy so i had known these girls quite well um, worked with them loved them but I didn't want to do a show right off the bat because I didn't want to fail and be like the one that everyone hates because Kid Carson's gone. But I took the job offer, right? Of course I'm going to have to take the job offer. And we, I started the next day, and we started as a show three years ago on, oh God, April 30th of 2012.
1: And it's still going, so obviously the, you fought off enough of the Lions that you've
0: made it work. Yeah, you know, I, the Kid was off for what it close to a year almost, I think. He had been off because of the whole, or six months or something. It was hard at first. I mean, people loved Kit Carson. They loved him and here we are. And they said, we like you better on your own show. We don't like you guys as a show. And oh God, here we go, right? But part of the deal was, When they offered me mornings, I said, please, James, I did this with you in Edmonton. Like, you need to give us proper support. Like, we need consultants. We need, like, budgets. And things. like, please don't just put us out there to fail. Like, let us do a good show and give us all the proper tools, which I feel like they really did. Like, it was, they did a really good job of really supporting us. A lot of air checks. And um, it was a really, really good growth experience.
1: And was this the solution to be able to talk more? Was this the solution for your complacency?
0: Yeah, I really liked it. Although it's so funny because when I got the job, I was like a secondary host, which was I never wanted to be even lead on a on a show. I don't like being lead, so I was kind of like a co-host. That if someone was off, I would do entertainment or I would do traffic and weather, and I like that. I like variety. It keeps me spiced up. Um, and then six months after we launched, they kind of retooled our show and they put me as the kind of jock of the show at like the opener. And I talked between songs and I was like, oh man, really? <laughs> like, but they they switched it up, and it's been working. So it's like, okay, it works. So that's good. Um, That's what you get yeah. for
1: all your fancy board op skills.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks a lot, Power 1076. <laughs> uh no, <I'm> <laughs> But it's, uh, no, it's been working really well. I mean, the numbers prove it themselves, right? Like, the, the numbers are out there and I'm very proud of our numbers and it's not to throw it at anyone's face but we've, held and grown numbers, which is very exciting. That's such an exciting feeling. And part of the risk, right? I mean, if you leave and you go somewhere else, you hope to take numbers. If you stay and you grow something, you hope you maintain numbers. And that's what we did. So it, it was really good.
1: You said it's been three years since the show launched. Just over three years, yeah. We
0: just hit three years back uh, at the end of April.
1: So we've got to be coming up on your next uh, bout of complacency. Where are you going next?
0: <laughs> well, you know... um TV shows like Star Trek Voyager, Quantum Leap, anything that kind of gets you back home. That was one thing that was important. You know, my family's getting older. I've not been back home in almost 15 years. That was something that was important to me. But, um, you know, it's hard to say, Drew. I I love what I'm doing right now. So as long as I love it, that's a good sign. But I always wanted my whole career to go back home, and I never did. And I don't know if I if it's the smartest move to go back home yet. When you're not known in the market, like, and I would only probably do Toronto realistically, you know, you have to work hard. You have to go out to openings and different things, get your face out there. And, you know, I'm at an age too where I'm very, I enjoy my life. I have a very comfortable life. So to think of having to go that extra mile, I I really have to be motivated by something that I'm really engaged into to want to do that stuff more than what I'm doing now. My mom was out here visiting and she goes, babe, you will, you are doing so well out here. Like, I think be foolish. come home you just keep doing well and fly home or we'll come out here and same as my dad my dad who you know would like me to be home he's like i think you've got a really good life out there and like my friends are awesome like it's just it's a really good time and i think to disrupt it would be foolish at this point unless it was something like really really amazing and so far there's been really good but nothing enough to really bug me and i think i'm staying for a little while yeah
1: to tie in something else that we talked about very at the very beginning of this conversation was that you had an interest in television but maybe not at that time. The personality, the looks, as much as we'd like to pretend that that's not part of it, it, it is. <laughs> uh, but now here you are, and you're doing some television stuff, as you said off the top.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoy doing it. I, I don't think I'd ever do it full-time. Um, radio is my full passion. I love radio. Like, dude, oh my god, I love it, love it, love it. TV, I like doing. I, I think that you know, radio is a lot more playful than television. Uh, TV is a little bit more this, but it's still fun and it's great FaceTime. like it's good for your branding yeah i think i think staying within my realm right now is probably as far as i'd want to go I'm, unless i was to be offered like a Marilyn dennis slash wendy williams kind of show or a roundtable show that's the only way i'd want to go in television i wouldn't want to do anything else
1: so basically what you're saying is that you owe all of this to teenage acne
0: Teenage Jacking is exactly what I, like. Thank God proactive is not around. Uh, Rodan and Fields had not yet launched the infomercials at night. Um, so I was, I'm quite happy with my bad skin back then.
1: <laughs> uh, last couple questions I want to ask you. This has been a lot of fun, but uh, these are the questions that we ask everybody. If you had to give advice to somebody who's where you were at all those years ago... Uh, no offense, um, all those years ago, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> uh, getting ready to, to get into radio or maybe in radio school right now and looking at that first job, what would that be?
0: Stay humble. That's how I hear that a lot. But, you know, Kira gave me, Cura K, one of my best friends, gave me one of the best pieces of advice, and it's this. Always make sure that your talent level exceeds your bullshit level. <laughs> I like that. and And I've always stuck to that, right? Like, if I'm going to be demanding and stuff, it better be because I'm talented enough to ask for it. You have to check yourself. Like, if I'm not at that level, do not ask. So, um, you know, be be excited and and have a good time. But make sure that if you have any form of bullshit, it never exceeds your talent, because otherwise you're going to fail.
1: Two-part question. We'll start in Vancouver, because obviously it's the market that you're most familiar with. Who are some of the people either established or coming up that you are a big fan of yourself? On the air.
0: Well, I, ha- I have to give a shout out to my roommate, Danae Johnson, who does our nighttime show. I think Danae's star, and that's why we live together because I love her and she's amazing. Kevin Getz, one of our weekend guys, who's a young buck who is like super talented. I love Kev. Kev, hmm, in this market. Emily Clark. Uh, another girlfriend of mine who does uh, she does a lot of video stuff. Like she's really big on YouTube, and I appreciate that she branches out that way. And, and you know, maybe not in Vancouver, but up in Whistler, Squamish, a guy who I know named Tyler Barr. I'm I'm keeping my eye on him. I think he's a very, very big talent in the making.
1: Now, outside of uh, Vancouver and the interior and all that stuff. Uh, you've worked in more than enough markets, especially in Western Canada. Is there anybody outside of your market that you uh, would would point to as as an up-and-coming talent? Or established?
0: Uh, Yeah, you know, like, gosh, we have so many... There's so many good people working right now. Um, you know, I love Ian McKinnon, what he's doing up in Edmonton. He's in the same boat I was in with the Kit Carson debacle. So, uh, especially with Pepper and Dylan, he has to take over. I think Ian's a great talent. I love Mark Michaels and Denae Fuzzy. They're doing a great show. Well, Michelle Butterly is my all-time favorite of all time. She's CHFI middays in Toronto. And Michelle Butterly, I can't, don't even, like, I can't even speak right now. <laughs> Michelle Butterly is my everything. She's my queen. And I love her. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of people like Danae mark. Denae, who works with Fuzzy, she has a brother that's doing really well. There's like a couple of them that look like clones out there, but they're awesome, like J.D. Lewis and... Um,
1: Ryan Meyer is who you're thinking of, I and mean, he's yeah. on—he's the fourth man in on the Paul Brown show, The Bear.
0: Yes, he's great. Oh, my gosh, he's so good. And there's another... Oh, gosh, I think it's Christian Hall Station in Calgary, X92.9. Yep. They're morning Is it Jeff Woods and some...
1: No, they've got um, Tyler and Lynch. Tyler Middleton and uh, and I don't. You know what? I don't even know Lynch's first name. I've known him forever. I don't know his first name. Chris, maybe? I don't know.
0: I think and I think he worked at XFM here years ago, or maybe at Sonic. It's it's blurring, but I will tell you, there's photos. I'm like, I know exactly what your show is about. I've never listened, but I'm like, I love you guys, and I don't even know, but I just the image makes sense to me, and I love that. Tyler, he's so it's just great. It's great, yeah. Yeah, and Adam Wilde. Oh, my God, Adam Wilde. I can't forget about Blake and Wilde. I think Adam is killing it. What a star in his own rights. Didn't even use his own mother. I would have used my mother like nobody's business. And he's just, like, killing it on his own. I love Adam Wilde, yeah.
1: All right, man, this has been a lot of fun, but I know you've got places to get to, so I'm going to let you go. But the last thing we always do after I say thank you is I let you guys pick the spin of the week so why don't you tell us what you'd like to hear this week on the Off Mic Podcast
0: oh my god don't put me on the spot this is the worst and I used to be a music director why don't we go with this one classic Rihanna cockiness my cockiness lick my persuasion Show online at Off Mike Podcast on Twitter or like the show on Facebook. If there's a guest you'd like to hear on the show, email Off Mike Podcast at gmail.com. The Off Mike Podcast is a part of the Dolby Radio Network.